toys that became a TV show that became a way to sell synthesizers. It's Black Stormtroopers, nipples, and overacting. It's Masters of the Universe, this week on Nothing Good. Good evening. Good evening, Doc. <laughs> Welcome to the show again. What's yes, up, dude? It's good to be here. It's good to get to be around. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Just enjoying a wonderful uh, <clears throat> Sunday evening uh, with my best friend here. Yes, yes. Uh, how are you? I'm I'm well. I'm well. I'm excited to get to our uh, topic here today. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe, 1987. 19, it was uh, released uh, August 7th, 1987. 87, nice. 87. Wow. Uh, it's about 106 minutes long. Just the perfect length of time for a movie like that. Just the perfect perfect size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just th- right. This and, and that just for the first of many sidebars here. <laughs> <laughs> when it took us 19 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I want to want to talk about uh, the the how the, uh, amusing the sort of situation is. So, we were going to record this episode several days ago. Yes, uh, and I you know realized while I was doing research trying to figure out where I was going to watch this movie because I didn't own it. Uh, like most of the people in the world, I don't know I didn't own it. Not even Dolph Lundgren <clears throat> owns this movie. No, so I realized that I had to like you know go and find it. Try couldn't stream it, couldn't rent it. So I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll just fuck it. I'll just buy it. You know, I watched it a lot as a kid. I might as well own the damn thing. Why not? Bought it off Amazon. Super cheap. Watched the movie, took my notes, enjoyed it. Yeah. So I show up to the studio to record, and uh, my uh, co-host here... Didn't bother to watch the movie. Did not watch the movie. And it's not for a lack of trying, (laughs) but it's for a complete lack of trying. Uh, You know, sometimes when you're a grown-ass man... Life gets in the way, and I also tried. I set a whole time aside to stream this thing, only to find uh, that it is unstreamable on any major service. Uh, but I did find it in chunks on YouTube, and I did set aside time to load it up on YouTube to watch. But pff, when you know it, I popped up YouTube, and oh, my recommended videos were there, and uh, life got away from me. As it does. So we actually had to... Um, call an audible and wait a few more days yes and to record it until i saw the film yes and which i did yesterday so the, it's the very fresh the best part of i got a kick out of the whole conversation we had because originally you you said well we could just do the episode and i'm like well yeah we could but listen you gotta watch this yes i thought <laughs> listen i uh i'm a professional bullshitter i can fake my way through a lot of stuff and i thought oh yeah this movie would be no problem there's so much i was like there's so much happening in this that you should, you won't get half the jokes I'm making or no. references that I'm making. That you got to appreciate the ridiculousness of it. I'm so glad that I did watch the movie, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> and so we find ourselves yeah. here um, at Masters of the Universe, mm-hmm. the film. Now this is actually, and I'm excited. Uh, this is not a sidebar; it's a setup to okay. a certain extent. Oh, uh, okay. I'm really excited because this is. We've reached the point in the podcast here, dear singular listener, probably from Peru. Hey, what up? What up, Peru? If you 
have made it this far through, then you are recognizing that we are now approaching our second film discussion. Yes. Which means we've turned a corner, and uh, when we originally talked about our four key pillars here, the foundation, the building blocks of this podcast, would be us discussing films, pro wrestling, gaming, and music. We've now made it back to films. How about that shit? So we are, we are I, I'm a uh, fun and excited, rather, to establish a rhythm here with our second film. So Yes. Uh, before we get started... No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like we're going to get started anytime soon. <laughs> Mr. Brown, uh, as is the the ritual that as we have tradition. here... As is tradition. What are we drinking tonight? Oh, you asked me. Oh, yeah. look at that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we are enjoying an Arrogant Bastard Ale. Yes. Uh, 7.2% uh, from the fine people. Who bakes this one here? Who knows? Is that Troves? I don't know. It's somebody. Arrogant Bastard Ale, though. Uh, bottled and brewed by arrogant. Cons- so they're their own thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, cheers to the listener who wants yeah, yeah. to join us well, on this. So, what do you think of it? Well, I only took one sip just as we okay. were getting started. Okay. Let me take another one again. That's not bad. That's got some body on it. It's you know it's funny. Bitey. I was telling uh, Mr. Brown here when he. So we we'd be drinking tonight. I said, "Oh man, I I used to, I drank that way back in my mid twenties, which was a while back from now. It was like ten years ago, mm-hmm. over ten years ago now." <laughs> um, I rem- and I'm like, I don't remember if I even liked it or not. Like, I have no recollection of it. Nope. But I remember going like, "It's okay." So I'm having the sip for the first time in probably 12, 13 years, right? Yeah. And I'm remembering going, "Yeah, that's right." This is like aggressively. Something. It's it's um. But then wait, you look at the back of the bottle, the label. It says, "This is an aggressive beer. Uh-huh. <laughs> you probably won't like it." <laughs> it is quite doubtful that you have the taste or sophistication to be able to appreciate an ale of this quality and depth. I feel called out. <laughs> we would suggest that you stick to safer, more familiar territory. Maybe something with a million dollar, multi million dollar ad campaign aimed at convincing you that it's made at an independent brewery. Or one that implies that their tasteless seltzer, fizzy yellow beer, whatever the hell, will give you more sex appeal. Perhaps you think multi-million dollar ca- ad campaigns make all that junk taste better. Perhaps you're mouthing your words as you read this. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so this beer is a dick. Oh, this beer came <laughs> right at you here. Yeah, yeah. But it's not that. I mean, I remember, I remember, I think when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it. I can honestly say, mid-twenties, I was not down with this. I'm not saying it's my favorite beer I've ever had right now, but it's not nearly as bad as I remember it. I actually am enjoying no, it yeah, quite it's a, a bit. Yeah, it's definitely like a closer to a red ale. Uh, I'm just realizing that I've never had a beer that totally identified as a heel itself before. This could be your best beer you've ever had. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it is a full-on heel beer. The bottle just healed out on us yes, and and our and our singular Peruvian listener. Yeah. So sorry about that. No worries, but yeah, I would uh, I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's hard for me to find a beer that I don't like. Uh, and if I think I won't like it, uh, i.e. something that begins with the word light, or ends with the word light, mm, uh, yeah. I simply don't drink it. Right. There are other beers out there. So here we are. So here we Masters are. Masters of the Universe, which, like I said, came out uh, August 7th, 1987. Um, and <laughs> it was a massive flop. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yes. I did. I See, I watched the movie that... Uh, uh, that Ends the extent of the research I did for a re- Well, you know, I today. had to do some some digging. I love it. Uh, so I'll put this in perspective for you. 
The budget for this movie. We're talking. Uh, okay. The movie was because I have a note about how much money I think they spent on this. Movie. Okay, tell what me. was the budget? What no. do you think? Uh, not a lot. Well, give. <laughs> oh, is that I, your number? I didn't. I'm not going to put 1987 dollars in there. But yeah, not a lot. 22 million dollars. Oh my god. They put. Well, think about. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of practical effects in this movie. They're actually not bad. You spent 22 million dollars on this movie though. Like, is has it all in Skeletor's parade flow? Frank, Frank Langella's in it. He had, I'm sure he had a hefty price tag. No, but this was pre... He, I think he was just a stage actor. No, point. he had lots of movies before this movie. This is... Wait a minute, This though. is 87, this is not 67. This is, this is prime <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, though. No. Fun fact about Dolph in this movie is he had very little acting experience by this point. Okay. And was super uncomfortable with the lines of dialogue. And they were originally going to do, like, dub over his voice, like, not have him do the lines... I don't know how the he fuck He has like that was 10 going. lines in this movie. I will protect you. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> because his accent was so strong still. He was super uncomfortable with a lot of the lines of dialogue, all 70, seven of them. No way. Uh, that's, yeah. It's a hell of a thing. It's a hell of a thing. Yeah. But anyhow, the budget was about $22 million, which is, again, I think a lot of that just goes to the production. There's there are some big sound stages in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, <laughs> opening made 4.8. And that's it. And then uh, it grossed worldwide seventeen point three million dollars. Oh, so it's not—it's not a flop. It's a massive bomb. Yeah, it oh. didn't go so hot, which is a shame. Because I mean, realistically, they could have had it done better. They—they're—I mean, they're, even though it didn't do great, there were plans for a sequel. Apparently, Dolph Lundgren was not going to be a part of it. Uh, I guess because he really didn't enjoy the. There's a lot of night shots. And he just didn't enjoy the production experience. It just wasn't good. So they're gonna, I can't remember the name of the actor who's going to play He-Man in the second movie, but they were already getting into pre-production and everything. And if I recall cursory research, it was something about... It wasn't contracts. I think it's just production kind of had got slowed down. Everybody's kind of bailed out on it. Yeah. But there was a sequel in the works. But why? So this is the beauty of this, see? Because I see something in this movie that you clearly didn't see. What? Uh, that while on the surface, yeah, it was over the top bullshit, and the acting wasn't great. Most of it, most of it, most of it was not great. Okay. the The plot was I wouldn't say paper thin because it wasn't paper thin. It wasn't a terrible. Pl- I've 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 witnessed and have ingested worse movie plots in an action science fiction film. <laughs> I yeah, I would say that. I'd give you that. But the plot had potential. What they did with really with very little, you think about it, because it's not like this is based on some trilogy of books. This isn't based on some long-standing uh, video game franchise that had you know hours and hours of, of, of lore and, and 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 cinematics to go off of. This is based on True. a goddamn uh, action figure line initially. And then it became a cartoon, right? And then it moved into by eighty seven because He Man debuted like eighty three, like the 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 yeah. action which I didn't realize it was that damn old. Oh yeah, I, mean, I knew it was like early ish eighties, but yeah. I didn't realize it was like like the, around the year I was born. That's yeah, wild actually. That is crazy. That is a bit crazy to think about the timeline there. For it so, to get big enough to be able to uh, uh, to greenlight a film. Yeah, and then the TV series happens between those two things. Yeah. So like way back, Mattel. Backed like balked at the idea of having like of of uh, having Star Wars like a Star Wars line. They felt yeah. like the price tag to, for the contract was too big. 
Then Star Wars blew up. And they're like, yeah. well, fuck. We missed the boat on that. So they decided to really get really into the action figure line, like, for little boys and everything. And they were working on... I read a little bit about how originally it was going to be, like, a Conan the Barbarian line. Mm-hmm. But then they did... There was a lot of people iffy about, because the Conan Barbarian movies were... There was nudity. There was, like, a lot of pretty intense oh, yeah. violence. Yeah. They didn't want that association. There was a big lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. Then He-Man was born. Out of all that. Yeah. Okay? And... He-Man, originally, which I didn't know this, because all the toys that I got, I don't remember getting them, obviously, because I was young. Way too young. Like, yes. they're the, some of the oldest, earliest toys I remember ever having are He-Man toys. All right? So, I didn't realize that comic they shipped the action figures with comic books, little, little mini comic books, giving, like, the origin of the characters. Interesting. Which I... And I also didn't know... That the, com- that the action figures, it's a it's almost like a totally different timeline between that and like, or different universe almost, between that and the co- cartoon. So, in the the actual action figures, and like the comic books that came with it, He-Man was just a barbarian, who was like a freedom, fighting with a freedom force against Skeletor, and trying to preserve what was left after the Great War of Eternia. Kind of like in the movie, because apparently the movie is based on the, the toy line, not the cartoon. Because okay. in the cartoon, we all know it's Prince Adam. Yeah. There's none of that Prince Adam bullshit in the movie at all. Which, when I was little, no, again, there, why there would I even not. think of that? Yeah. I'm just too young to really put that together. But yeah, the movie, which is why it's so... There's no um, there's no Battle Cat, which, how the fuck could they have really done that? Anyhow. No. But the point is, it's, it's based solely on the original concept of He-Man just being this barbarian guy. Which I think is pretty interesting. Um... But yeah, the movie uh, did not do well, but we can talk about how ambitious it is. Think about how ambitious this movie really was. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they uh, here's here's the way I would say, to give, to be positive there, they certainly swung for the fences. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. happened to be that they were playing football, not baseball. Look, <laughs> here's a little fun fact. Yeah. That soundstage with uh, like the like the throne room and everything. I don't remember like the actual stats of how how big it was, but at the time when they filmed that movie, it was like the biggest soundstage that had been used and created in like pre, like forty years for Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk well, about how how like I know it's I know you're like looking at me like come on seriously like, no I'm just, I'm just I like you did, did so much precursory research well because I'm right that's what yeah, that's what you do right and but, I, I appreciate it and I love it I just didn't expect. I didn't expect these tidbits, so I'm processing it as it's you're telling me. It's a lot to that movie no. that I think it is better than it has. Any, it is better than it deserves to be in a way. Like it's not a great movie. Obviously, it's not. A, it's not a great movie. Spoiler alert: No, it is not. But but oh, we, for what it is and what it's based yeah. off of, it's actually pretty damn good. If you look at it just in a little vacuum, what it's based on. What what source material is even there to be to be workable? Looking at Who's really putting money into this? Who would really think it's going to be turning a profit, right? The movie is with the practical effects in it, the makeup. It's pretty well, damn good. I mean, uh, to speak positively to it, right? Uh, the film is fun. And that's that that I think that's the main takeaway because right. though I constantly ask myself when I was watching this film back that this was supposed to be geared towards children. Yeah, uh, was it though? Right? And no, yeah, right. And like, isn't it supposed to be geared towards kids? Um, it had that fun adventureness that kind of kept you invested at least enough, and you were entertained. 
the whole right. way through. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there really isn't like when you're when you look at some of the other more questionable uh, licensing movies, right? And things come out. Not all of them have the source material that others do. That already has this clearly defined relationships, uh, etc. So I guess, given that, Masters of the Universe could have done worse. Infinitely worse. It could have been Mario. Fuck you. Listen, it's okay. the truth. Wait a minute. Mario's an awful fucking Wait. film. No, no. <laughs> Let's be honest. No. It's, it is bad. It's very bad. I have long since lost the point of uh, objectivity about the Mar- Super Mario Brothers movie, which we will absolutely cover in a future episode. But with, this- fire, with fire, with, 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 with like Molotov cocktails. Listen, I am trying to be respectful and okay. not come sorry, to this movie. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. I could, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I hold out no hope as I get deeper into the arrogant bastard ale <laughs> that I don't absolutely come for this movie. But uh, John Leguizamo did not deserve your shit just there then. Okay? Yeah, I saw Spawn. Again, I also saw Spawn. Yeah. Okay? We we will do an entire Michael Jai White episode. <laughs> okay? An okay. entire one. And we will get on Spawn then. I am gonna put that in the notebook of things to be able to talk about mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Right. oh yeah oh yeah but for now let's bring it back here yeah for yeah. a second before like we that. go into the film yes and before, uh do you have any more notes about the production that you want to share was that the was that the last one the giant I, i'll sound sprinkle set? i'll sprinkle some more in later perfect yeah so let's set it up it is the summer of 1987 <laughs> yeah for those that didn't live through it, because I was I was nigh old enough to remember, and we're gonna go into, and I'll mention it as we go. But okay, so I saw this film, and I know I saw this film when we were young, right. uh, multiple times because it was the He Man movie, of right? course. But I had no memory of what the movie actually entailed, other than like visual memories uh, of this. Uh, how much of this before you went back and watched it? Mm-hmm. Did you remember from when you were a kid? Um, honestly, so there's two parts of that, I guess, answers to it, really, because there's it. what you think you remember, and then there's what you actually do remember when you start watching it again. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, that's what happened to me. Like, 100%, like, now, as context, uh, when I was little, like, all little kids, we've probably, we'll, we've, I'm sure we mentioned this before, I'll mention it, we'll mention it multiple times throughout the life of this podcast, Little kids like watching the same shit over and over again. They when do. you find something you like, yo, you are in it and you will no life it over and over and oh, over. Oh man, you're wearing that tape out. Yeah. yeah. So like Masters of the Universe, which my, my dad dubbed, he rented from Best Video, is the name of the place. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. There are uh, no video stores anymore. Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, Best Video, and he dubbed it. We had two VCRs in the house. He dubbed it, so I had like a copy that I would watch. And it was one of those movies that <clears throat> I didn't watch once and then never watch it again or didn't or not another year. I probably watched that movie once a month, easily, if not more than once a month. Nice. I feel confident in saying I watched it several times a month for a while <laughs> because I was just so into it. Like I yeah. love the He-Man character. I had ma- multiple He-Man action figures. Uh, so to, to then have a movie, which I didn't see in the theaters, uh, I, 100% we didn't see in the theaters, uh, to own it was a big deal for me. So yeah. the only parts that I know, you know, 20 plus years later, having not watched it, the only parts that I know I remembered for sure was Skeletor's speech, one of the greatest fucking moments in cinema history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remembered the, 
the dirty tickle fingers he gave uh, Courtney Cox on her leg. I remembered that. Yeah. Uh, and I remembered like the mercenaries because I fucking thought they were badass. Beastman and, and Beastman is my favorite He-Man character ever. Is uh, He-Man and Mossman were two villains, obviously, but they were my they were my go-to action figures for I, as uh, villains. I uh, I don't think I have a favorite He-Man character, uh, but if I had to pick one out of the aether of last night's film, mm. uh, <clears throat> I would say does the guy who runs the synthesizer shop count? Louie. Sure. Okay. He's, not, he's not in anything but the movie, but sure. That or Man at Arms, but for all the opposite reasons that I like the synthesizer guy. <laughs> the synthesizer. God, I love that fucking... That was like the greatest MacGuffin ever. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like... I couldn't, couldn't take that shit seriously. No. Uh, or oh, watching I, Gwildor, like, just spam the buttons on it like a drunk dwarf. Yeah. Well, poor choice of words there. Uh, but he's, yeah, it, it was full on ridiculous. Uh, I'm just really surprised they didn't turn a cosmic key over and there's Casio written on the side of it. Right? It might as well have been. No, yeah, no. We will get to a point where, uh, so I watched this film, full disclosure before we get started. I watched this film uh, with my wife and my daughter, who is exactly the target age <laughs> that you were supposed to be when this movie happened. And all three of us had different reactions. But there's a scene, which we will get to, uh, in which my wife, my sweet darling wife, absolutely lost her shit oh, in yeah? this movie. Absolutely lost her shit. To the point where she almost got up and walked out. Not because the movie was bad or anything, but because it pissed her off so bad. And we'll get there. I love it. We'll get there. So, summer of 1987. You watch it on VHS. That's probably when I saw it, too, because there's no way they would have taken me into the movie theater at that age. Yeah. So, it's probably 88. When we first started watching this movie. Probably. Yeah, what a time, 1988. But are you ready to get going with this? Yeah, for sure. So, before we f- officially start one last saying, so it's Masters of the Universe, 1987, mm-hmm. starring Dolph Lundgren, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Langella, yep. a extremely young Courtney Cox, yeah. um, and then a whole bunch of other people. People that I don't care about. And Meg Foster. Meg Foster. Meg yeah, Foster's I was just going to say, which... <laughs> mm. <laughs> I have some notes about Meg Foster that will come up when we start talking about that. But do you wanna do you wanna kick us off here? You wanna kick us off with the with the start of the movie? Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and again, for me, the theme of this movie is it is way more serious than it has any business being. Yeah. At certain points. Yeah. And then, like, so over the top, silly or ridiculous, in moments where it shouldn't be. It just ping pongs between those two highs and lows, right? So even like the first like 15 seconds of the movie, the intro, the title screen is so fucking serious. Yeah. Like the power to be supreme, the power to be master of the universe. Okay. Like it's so, so serious. So so right off the gate, we open up with a title sequence that is, uh, looks like someone had a rolling screenshot of a space and they put some <laughs> yeah. wind chimes or some, <laughs> some, some, uh, some light prisms yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And we get about 20 seconds of exposition. It's in the center of the universe, might I add. Yes. Which I got such a kick out of. Yeah. It's in the center of the universe. Like, all right. Like, that's very specific. And that will represent, this 20 seconds in the beginning of the movie, will represent 70% of all exposition we mm-hmm. get in this entire film. Maybe even a higher percentage than that. They give you 20 seconds to explain what the power of the universe is. 
which I still don't really and, know. And generally where this movie starts, not where it takes place, but starts, and then Masters of the Universe. Yes. And then a very Star Wars and intro. Oh my God. So I'm glad you caught that. Like, okay. Seriously. If this movie had to, and obviously they would never have the budget for this, but now watching it, one of my first thoughts, like within the first 10 minutes before we get into like the ridiculousness of Earth, is like, if this movie just took place in eternity, it'd be fucking badass. Yeah. It actually really, because like I was really interested in that, in Eternia, the battle for Eternia. Yeah. And it was like, well, the budget doesn't say that we need some Corvettes in here, so. We can't. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, and there's a whole lot of like unnecessary 80s earthness that yeah, yeah. has to take place in this yeah. movie. And in a lot of ways, that's one of the more endearing things to me is because a lot of the things I remember upon watching, like, oh, my God, I totally remember this scene. I didn't know this was, this was that was this movie was from or that proper. All of that stuff. Uh, I'm grateful that I got to connect all these dots yes. for this movie yes. and, and click all those things in there. But, yeah, I feel you on that. If you had bothered to actually explain right out of the gate, and I'm sorry to spoil it. They don't explain what the fuck Eternia is. What it's the hell? A, it's a planet. What the hell a Skeletor is? <laughs> what's what's, what's a, a Skeletor? <laughs> what really is? What's a sorceress's job? Uh, any of this shit isn't explained, and they just kind of kind of pop in uh, to some super casual shit, yeah. like right out the gate. So like we have the battle for Eternia. I guess the war is effectively basically over. It looks like Skeletor pretty much won. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is He-Man and his freedom fighters are still fighting the good fight and Skeletor has a massive hard-on for making He-Man kneel and submit to him. So, subtext here is that Skeletor, who, as the name would suggest, is skeletal at least in his face to a certain extent. Yes. Uh, Thick red skull. Yeah, red skull, but with a much whiter and softer face. Yes. Like that thing that thing moves way too much. And see to me and we'll we'll bring this up as we get going on with all of his monologues that happen in this movie. But the skeletor makeup moves way too much to look like a skull. Mm-hmm. But not nearly as much as Frank Langella wishes it did to, <laughs> to emote anything close to the performance he's trying to give underneath yeah. the stand. I put you know we got to appreciate what they did with the prosthetics on the face and everything. It looks good. I mean, yeah, for the time. Yes, yeah, so I mean, everything. Yeah. Remember, this is all within yeah. that vacuum of this is nineteen eighty seven. But instead of, I felt there was two ways to go about this, and they they went the the makeup on top of his face way, uh-huh. as opposed to putting him in like a helmet or a mask, right? Yeah, that wouldn't have looked good. I mean, no, if they remade Masters of the Universe today, he'd have like a sweet motorcycle looking helmet right and it'd be all dark and everything would look green i'd like but, to think it'd be part practical and part cgi oh yeah for sure but it's the equivalent of a catcher's mask in baseball like okay. it's just it's just thicker lines yeah there, okay right? i'll go with that you can see parts of him moving underneath to get, yes. at least give the illusion of movement there in his mouth moving but they hide his upper his top lip so you <laughs> yes. never really see him make sounds which it makes sense because if he's a skeleton uh he wouldn't be able to move his lips to make you know like a W sound, but then again, too, how would this movie be if they just well, that's a really good point, and I just want to right now, just the first time I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it multiple times here. Frank Langella steals every scene he's in in this movie, yeah, which isn't as much as you would want it to be once you realize what's going on. I wanted him in more scenes. He just wasn't enough can, of them. Can I just do one more bit of, uh, one more su- small sliver of that gag one more time? Please, please Could go. You imagine him saying, I am the master of the universe. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? 
I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what said. It's whole monologue with no lips. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Uh, I totally, I should overdub this movie. But yeah, no. You dude, should. Dude, legitimately, uh, first of all, if you don't know uh, who Frank Langella is, you can go through like a bunch of stuff, especially after this movie. Um, my favorite of his roles, just to kind of drop in there, he did this movie uh, in the mid two thousands called Frost versus Nixon. Yes, he yes, was in that. He was. I mean, he, he was Nixon, and apparently he played Nixon on stage and won a lot of awards for it. He was excellent as Richard Nixon. Um, Full on actors, actor kind of kind of performer. So he's in this movie, and opposite, and and I do I do like this dynamic opposite of an actor's <laughs> actor. Like a full-on thespian playing the villain of this movie is Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren, Lundgren. However you want to pronounce. Ivan Drago. I'm just gonna say Ivan Drago from here <laughs> Ivan on Draco out. is in this. movie. Ivan Drago is your babyface. He's your hero in this movie with like all nine sentences that he says, and uh, he's the polar opposite in every single way. So good casting in that regard. You know, on a poster, that's an impressive concept. So. So we open up with the Battle of Eternia, which yes. is effectively over. Skeletor has uh, invaded Castle Grayskull. Yes, has 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 captured the sorceress, who I am assume I'm pretty sure protects the castle. Yeah, she protects the power of the universe. I think it's pretty clear that she doesn't benefit from the power. No, of the universe, but she is like its protector. Yes, and uh, yeah, so she has been captured. At the start, of, so here's here's an interesting thing, and this is one of my big problems with the plot point of this film. Uh-huh. We start this movie, and we're already into some shit, and no one really puts this together for us. No, it's like Eternia, the power of the universe, power of the masters of the universe, and then you cut into this big, giant, very eighty set piece of the inside of Castle Grayskull, yes. and the sorceress is already captured, and he's draining her power because I think yes. the deal is like. As he's draining her powers, she becomes older and more haggard looking. Yes, she, he's draining the life from her to add to his magic. To ability. like be able to then use, because I think he needs. If okay, so if I recall correctly, and this is like going back, uh, as I did not do research on this, but I from what I remember, it's something like there's like Skeletor needs He Man's sword. Yeah, something the like sword that. Sword of Grayskull. He needs that in order to like. Activate the great eye. That's one of the only things that makes it from the TV series into this movie. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I want to say in the, the the toy line, it was something like Skeletor had his own sword, He Man had his own sword. Yes. And they were like two halves of the same blade or something or other. Yes. And like together, then you'd have like the true power of the universe or something like that. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Skeletor had his own power that was driving the sword in the toys. Line. Yeah. This is what this is one of the few things I remember. And the power of Grayskull came from the sword. That was the whole concept. He Man yeah. was He Man because the sword it's not that he was in possession of the sword, but because the sword belonged to him. He was the chosen wielder of the yeah. sword of Grayskull. So really Castle Grayskull was just the the castle that the wielder of the sword of Grayskull kind of chilled out yeah. and or stood in front of on a, a now available KB Toys app. <laughs> um so Moving all along, uh, we have... Uh, he's draining the sorceress of yeah, power. Yeah, slowly. so then we transition to He-Man. And she's doing the same thing we see in every movie, most notably... By the way, can I just, can yeah, I just yeah. kind of put something in here? I immediately, in my brain, 
saw the relationship between Skeletor and the Sorceress, and I immediately thought of the Chronicles of Riddick. The uh, the main have you remember the movie The Chronicles of Riddick? I remember it. Yeah, and there's a whole scene in the in that film where the bad guy of the necromancers and or the whatever the necroids, whatever they call the villains yeah, in that yeah. movie. And was it Carl Urban? No, Carl Urban was like the second command. He was striving for this. He's the he's yeah. the equivalent of Evelyn in yeah. that movie. Anyway, uh, the main bad guy, Lord something, uh, has Judy Dench prisoner and she's an elemental and literally it's the exact same fucking relationship that skeletor (laughs) and a sorceress have and i'm like oh vin diesel you coy bastard you basically (laughs) took one of the only recognizable plot points from masters of the universe you just slapped it on a chronicles of riddick movie and it worked but i'm sorry i have it in my notes chronicles of riddick this is chronicles of riddick and i have it eight times over and over again (laughs) this is chronicles of riddick i really should watch chronicles of riddick and say this is masters of the universe you should yeah uh, so we then we kind of transition to uh, He Man and his and his forces. They end up freeing Gwildor, who is uh, they say there. There's so many little lines of dialogue in this movie that they they say they, like you said. There's no exposition for it. They just say it. They're like mentioning other races and other species. Oh yeah. And I I they said what Gwildor was a couple of times, but I they kept didn't. missing it. I am blah 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 yeah. blah. So whatever he was, I've got water fins in my ear. Yeah, he has his gills in his ears or something. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Some weird gag that you see later, uh, which was not funny. So he man man at arms, yeah. and, and he's a key maker. He's like a, yeah. a key master or a music. Uh, so, so he's an inventor. Yeah, he's a, that's what he is. He's, he's a, a lock. Ma- he's a lock he's a master locksmith. or something like that. And he's a an inventor. And mm-hmm. that will come into play in about ten seconds. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And what's the name of Man at Arms' daughter? It's Tila. Tila. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I have her in my notes as Tyra. Yeah. Tila. So, Tila. And they they, as it would find out, he was uh, a guy who created the cosmic key. Okay. Yes. Grimdor. Gwildor. 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 <laughs> yeah. So he created two cosmic keys. Skeletor had one. He had the other one. It's like the big MacGuffin for this movie. And so. Yeah. Using the cosmic key, using the tones that on the key, you can first synthesize a reference. Yeah, here in so movie. like it, it has like tuning forks on top that open up and start spinning around. Lights would pop up, and you could basically go anywhere in the universe, space, and time. You just had to know the melody to yeah. take you there, which is a cool concept. That like, I mean, oh, yeah, like no. the universe is all. Oh, yeah, no, I I understand vibrations yeah. and sound, and it's like that's cool. That's yeah, a cool no, idea. Yeah, it's strange, uh, and and it's it's not. Uh, of all the shit that's happening in this movie, uh, this is not the, one of the weaker spots. Oh. This concept. No. Uh, the cosmic key. Before we get to the cosmic key, if okay. you may Before. hold on for a second, because yeah, yeah. I, I have notes about this. Oh, good, good. So He-Man uh, meets up with Man-at-Arms and Tyla. Tila? Tyla? Mm-hmm. Tila. Tila. There it is. Uh, and they notice that the sh- the, that the sol- their, uh, Skeletor soldiers burst into the scene. And is at this t- point that I yelled to my family, "Black stormtroopers!" over and over and over again because I'm sorry to say this. Because they are. They literally are. Somebody took. If you remember uh, the original Star Wars and the helmets that they were that the uh, gentleman who controlled the Death Star weapons were wearing, that kind of like are like weird teardrop on the sideward teardrop <laughs> shape with a slit. Yeah. There, it's like somebody took those, flipped. 
the bottom half around like it's an unsolved Rubik's Cube uh, and made the whole thing black where a stormtrooper be white. And the black stormtroopers will, by the way, keep appearing all over again. Yeah. I will call out every scene that the black stormtroopers appear in. And it's actually uh, kind of to that scene where you first see like Skeletor for the first time. His yes. introduction was like the most Vader, Palpatine-esque introduction, including the music. Guys, so every single time in this movie, like whenever they lean into something and it's you go oh that's not wait a minute <laughs> yeah that's star wars yeah right it's 100 percent a star wars abso- moment there abs- there's like 17 of them on my notes of absolute star wars movies so you have the lord vader entrance here with skeletor's entrance you have the music you have the titles which are definitely star wars mm-hmm. uh and you got black stormtroopers so that's what we are. But the the point which I'm going to start going up here is in the scene where He-Man jumps out and we first see He-Man, mm-hmm. which you don't really get an established... This is what gets me about the filmmaking here. You get no establishing shot of He-Man. Because in any other film, you'd see He-Man for a second and then he would fuck something up. Or he'd fuck something up and then you see He-Man for a second. They just jump into half-covered shots of He-Man messing up black stormtroopers yeah. and then it's like a side shot of him having conversations like you never see an establishing shot really of of Dolph Lundgren playing He-Man right but it is in this scene the very first within 25 seconds i have it noted of seeing <laughs> He-Man do we see our first nipple shot of Dolph Lundgren where the entire screen frame is filled up with his peck <laughs> with the nipple dead fucking center in the middle of this and this will happen several times in this movie. I'm glad you noticed. It is literally his pecs in this movie. Uh, so, yeah. So, we get our first nipple shot. We get our first uh, uh, little person trapped yeah. in a net in this movie. <laughs> in a net. Yes. Black stormtroopers falling over from being hit with the broadside of a sword. And uh, then we got Man-at-Arms, who has a full... I don't know what's going on with Man-at-Arms' head, his hair in this movie. Well... It's a different planet. It's a, here's the thing. <laughs> Spoiler slightly. Uh, I did not really know, put, couldn't put my finger on what was wrong with his hair <laughs> until I saw the last time you see him in the movie and his hair is like neater. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead with my joke here, which is man at arms, or as I will now refer to him as, toupee at arms. <laughs> For the entirety of this film, I've never noticed. I've never noticed any of it. It is like a ruffled toupee and neat toupee, but they. I'm like, what's going on? My eyes are like, it's too busy. It's moving around to catch that. Uh, only in that later food eating scene do we, do I start to put it together. You can see where they slap this fucker on this guy, <laughs> and then it's really noticeable at the end of the movie. But okay, so way to guess. So they they cosmic key. Yeah. Um. They get to the throne room. They try to stage a coup. They don't win. <laughs> Going back one second, you yes. missed the part where Gwildor, the inventor, this little person who invented these cosmic key, he invented one for Skeletor because yeah. Evil Inn, Skeletor's second in command, who yes. we will talk to he- about here in a second, uh, tricked him mm-hmm. by convincing him to make this concept, which is very weird. It's like some lady walks up to you and like, hey, could you create an interdimensional portal device? That's not for nefarious purposes at all. It's like, <laughs> not for domination of the universe at all. Uh, so he makes her this. This is what they use to break through the army of Eternia's defenses and, and crash into the throne yeah. room. But he, unbeknownst to anybody else, uh, he makes a, he had develops a prototype first, which he, uh, he being Grimdor, Prodown's pal. Gwildor. 
Gwildor, whatever. I'm going to keep calling You're going to keep fucking this up. Gryffindor. Uh, they go to his little hut where they have, or a cave with a very, with the, in my opinion, is the best joke in this movie. Oh, this ought to be good. Okay. This is, this is the best intentional joke in this entire film. So, uh, and it's done just to be gratuitous to a certain point, and then they actually come up with a punchline. So, Gwildor has He-Man, Man-at-Arms, and uh, Tila. Uh, and they're going up in there, and he goes. They go to his front door of his cave, and it's his steel door. And he goes, "I remember when we didn't have to lock our doors in this that. neighborhood. We'll get there again." And so they, he takes this key out, and he puts the key in, and it unnecessarily stays on this key in the lock for a while, in which the lights blink on the top of this key. Just, just gratuitous. You're like, "What the hell is this?" And he goes, doo, 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 doo. And Then it opens, and he's like, "This way, this way." And everyone files into his little hut. Then he shuts the door, and you see the sequence for like 15 seconds of all these locking mechanisms. Yeah. <laughs> and bolts go across, and all of these things happen. And then he, just at the end, takes a little tiny little <laughs> chain lock and locks the door. And I'm like, that's funny. That's like legit. Someone's like, I got an idea. I will throw this in here. I got an idea. We did all this other shit. Wait a minute. Chain lock at the end. I was like, do it. Fuck it. I don't care. It's tw- We already spent $22 million on this. Let's keep going. But yeah, so they get there. There's a prototype for this key, um, and then they decide, well, why don't we just do what Skeletor did with this prototype and let's hop directly into the throne room yeah. and let's take this fuck by surprise. Yeah. So <laughs> they they go in. There's like there's so many jokes in this movie that aren't actual jokes, but no. I feel like people who are our age taking their kids to see this movie in '87 had to have been like, what the fuck? There's like a point they go up to the sorceress. And He-Man's like, there she is. They run up to free her. She goes, no, He-Man. You can't penetrate this force field. It's a goddamn strobe light. <laughs> I know. So I said, too. I wrote, like, it's I, a goddamn strobe I have light. It, I have it in my note. Somebody left their turn signal on. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can't. I mean, it's a strobe light, so I guess that's a no. So yeah. here's the other thing about the, the cosmic key that we learn. Every time one is used, you get... Like the other one can kind of catch the coordinates. Mm-hmm. They know when one's being used, and the other one's, you know, to a general point. Yeah. So yeah. Skeletor finds out obviously that you know they're trying to free the sorceress. They they crash the party and they got to get out of dodge. Which is just to kind of hop in here. Uh, uh, one of the many, 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 many fucking plot points and holes in this movie <laughs> that I have a problem with uh-huh. is that literally five minutes before this. Skeletor arrives and he's standing triumphant in the throne room. Like, I've beaten you. I'm getting stronger. You get weaker. Yes. Bring me He-Man. He, he must wants him to kneel. kneel. He to has the to kneel. There's a whole subplot about it's, Dolph Lundgren being on his knees in front of really Skeletor here. He really has to kneel. It's, listen. For whatever reason. a few reason. moments in this movie, and I mean this as positively as I can speak. This, there's some gay shit in this movie, Okay. And th- but one of the indirect ones is he's really got a big thing for He Man being kneeling down kneeling. in front of him. And you know what? Hey, man, Skeletor, you get your freak Look, on. He Man wants two things. He wants him to do it willingly, which means he requires consent. Yeah. Well, you know, he uh, <laughs> he's not, he, he wants a, two things: He Man to kneel and the power of the universe. <laughs> That's all. But you know what? That's all. I mean, really, he does get half of that. He, he does. You know. Um. All he, all he just wants He-Man to get on his knees, give in to him, and look him in dead in the eyes and say that I give myself to you. 
which literally is what he asks for, I think, almost verbatim. Almost. Almost later in the movie. But anyway, yeah. so but my, my big plot point is the Skeletor is like, I am going to do this by the time of the next moonrise, the power. And yeah. then he's in that throne. Then we cut the He-Man nipple shots. Uh, the Another only 15% of exposition left in this movie is him explaining, the cosmic key, and I did it, and all this whole thing. And this lady requested this from me. Uh, which we only have like about 10 more seconds of exposition left in this entire damn thing. When they when they jump there, Skeletor's gone. He like, took he's, a piss. He's like, you know what? <laughs> Anyone want a sandwich? I go for <laughs> a sandwich. Jimmy Chon's down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah guys, you know what? I, you have some chips. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say sorceress, do you, sorceress, do you have any chips? I'm like, ha 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 Because he's a skeleton. He shouldn't have any yeah, fucking yeah. chips. Well, yeah. Ha. But he, so he dips the. Not only does he dip out, but he's like, you know what? She's not going anywhere. Let's yeah, all, they just leave her there let's alone. All, let's all go have with some, the strobe light. Let's all go have some. some I don't. Know, let's go right in the fridge. You know what would we really piss her off? <laughs> let's all go through her shit. Come on. And leave the fridge door open. Yeah. Let's, let's, go, let's go mess her shit up. Like, let's go get out of here. So the entire Skeletor's defense force just bails out of this room when He Man decides to jump through a portal. Yes. It was like, well, and to that end, he knew Skeletor well. Yes, he knew he would leave her defenseless, except for the strobe light. But they do, they do kind of give you that line where he's like, "Good things come to those who wait." Yes, and it's like, but really though, you be, you pulled everybody out of that room. Of course, then again, too, a, a recurring film a theme in this movie is that He Man and his friends are fucking stupid. <laughs> no one in this movie is really particularly smart. There's one person in this entire movie. That's smart. And I'll tell you who it is when we get there. All right? Okay. All right. I'll tell you who it is when we get there. But yeah, no, He-Man especially is fucking stupid. He's like, oh, shit. They're gone. All right. Let's just fucking bail her out. Judy Dench, I'm going to free you. And she's like, you can't. There's a strobe light. There's a strobe light. Someone left a tan signal on. (laughs) I can't get out. (laughs) You can't. But you must survive this still time. So uh, they 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 get out of dodge, and Gwildor, poor Gwildor, is like put under the gun to like type in some sort of code, some sort of you know yeah. sequence, and he's doing so, and he's drunkily doing. I'm convinced Gwildor is drunk the entire movie. Uh, I think I think he's or like he's high. I think he's got glue. He's like stiff and glue because he's all. Fu- so you see how he's like like on the key. Like, you see his fingers. He's all, they're all over the place. Here's the he thing: can't know what he's actually yeah, doing. I mean, I mean, so basically. To kind of obtain it, here is this thing that looks like a gauntlet. By the way, this is that was one of the things I apparently, in my mind, have remembered the cosmic key many years over my life, but without being able to remember where do I know that thing from or what the hell is it. And then as soon as I saw it yesterday, I was like, oh shit, that's what that is. And mm-hmm. I'm, I swear to you, at least 20 times in my life I've thought of this and I had no idea what it was for. And uh, But he, st- he invents a machine. That requires musical notes to travel through time and yeah. space. Uh, and he Clever. just starts punching this thing. Yeah, he's like fucking fist no, palming. Man, it. Like, what the fuck? Like, you made this thing. How, come on, you made this thing. Did you literally you? made this did, thing. Did he, though? <laughs> Was he squatting in that hut? Did he just make shit up? <laughs> I did this. He's like, I made this. There's no way I just randomly found this. Like, at all. <laughs> Not at all. Why would you ask such a question? Anyway. I'm like, I just I can't I know it's the movie's gonna movie and I get it, but realistically, if I'm He-Man, I'm looking at him going, the fuck are you doing over there? Like, dude, you just said 
literally two minutes ago that you made this thing and you're like, but I've forgotten how it works. There's infinite combinations. <laughs> you, but didn't you literally figure one out to be able to show Meg Foster how to work it? But yes, of course. And you lost it now. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, of course. Are you high? Why, yes, of course. <laughs> so yes. There's there's two there's two other things to hop in here that I have I yes. have notes of. Number one, so before that to explain is you know this thing they 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 have two versions of this thing. You play the musical notes, you hop through time. Uh, Skeletor rolls up in on these guys. Yeah. Uh, when they're talking to the sorceress and trying to find a way to free, she's like, "You guys got to bail." Sorceress comes in. He's like, "Good things come to those who wait." Armed with a bunch of black stormtroopers, the entire production cast of black stormtroopers are in this scene. Who are all robots, by the way? Are they? Yeah. So, fun fact about this movie uh, that I oh God, I don't remember exactly the name of the the company. I guess it would just technically be Mattel. Uh, it would be Mattel. Uh, yeah. Didn't want He Man killing people. That was the so trick. So he kills robots. So all those henchmen are robots. Oh. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Now that nothing gained or lost with that information. Right, precisely. But anyway, Skeletor rolls up in. So now they have to, uh, they, a firefight starts. Uh, and uh, Skeletor and um, Gryffindor, Clark Griswold, yeah. uh, decides that he, uh, they're yelling at him to enter a code to get us out of here. And so he starts punching shit randomly. And at this point, we uh, before uh, put a pin in this. So Skeletor's the bad guy in this movie. You probably got this. I mean, that's what they want us to think. Okay. <laughs> Go on. He's the antagonist. Yes, yes. To yes, He Man's yes. protagonist. Yes. But his second in command is Evelyn, mm. played by Meg Foster. Mm. Now we're gonna put a pin in Meg Foster for and go back to that Will about we? five seconds. Oh, several pins, specifically the pricks. But we'll get back to it. Wow. All right. Yes, you just I just I had to set that up. Kick that door down. <laughs> okay. But Evelyn comes in, and remember, she's the one who tricked the little guy into, the little person into, I mean, worse by clarifying. <laughs> okay, go on. Go on. I'm trying to. <laughs> he tricked Grimmendall that, yes. uh, that, into making the, the device in the first place. And she, at that moment, realizes that they have a second one. No one knows that they have a second one. That's how they got in until that moment. Uh, in which case, that he starts punching shit and then randomly. So Gwildor kills. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I digress. Yeah. I'm still reeling from that previous comment. <laughs> like that made it better. <laughs> it did. No, it did not. Uh, but anyway, so but, but before we get there, before we get there, last thing before we, we jump on the plot point is when He-Man jumps through the portal and they're like, old-ass sorceress, or still, young-ass sorceress. We need to save you. And she's like, no, strobe light, turn signal. You <laughs> yeah. can't. You still have time, though. And that's when they hit us with the very first of what will be many completely unnecessary bullshit units of measurement <laughs> that they... That they put. There's like, uh, the moon will rise. You still have the first 0.61 Minox <laughs> until the moon rises. <laughs> minox. We're six parsec ions away. It, some, there was some solid bullshit there, going on They're there. just like, they're like, yeah, so if you go 12 millimiles over to a metrotope, then <laughs> if you raise your quick meter, 71 flipple Can we talk about what a fuck, what, what's a quick meter? I don't even know. <laughs> a meter with a melotope. Then perhaps you'll arrive 
at a Parsonek. I don't even know. It's like it's like it's it's like someone's like of all the Star Wars shit that they picked out of Star Wars to put in this movie, grabbing Parsec, which is already the wrong uh, <laughs> unit of measurement for the use it was, that they totally retconned in Solo. Yes. Yes, which to me is like the, the thing I absolutely remember the most about that movie. There ain't much else to remember. Amelia Clark. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, moving forward. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I have uh, a whole lot of notes about the... Uh, every time they fucking made a new unit of measurement up <laughs> for this fucking movie, I lost my shit. So, like, well, so they go through the portal, right? Yeah. And the most... The be- most be- I want to say, like... Can I, the most underrated character in this whole movie to me is Tila. She is fucking no-selling everything. Okay. She's, she's badass for badass sake, and I like that. She fucking, like, cartwheels into the portal. She's the only <laughs> character... Uh, first of all, she absolutely does cartwheel in a sport. Like, <laughs> completely <laughs> fucking unnecessarily. Everybody Everyone's just like, jumps in. She like, like she's like, in. fuck it. Yeah. And she just hops in there. No idea where the fuck she's going to land. No, she's no. Like cartwheels in. No one breaks the fourth wall in this movie. The movie might be better if they did. Well, maybe. Yeah. But she gets right up in there. She gets like right up to the to the. She to does. The, that, she there's one scene where she hundred percent looks at the fucking camera, she makes does. a fucking comment. Yeah. And I remember I didn't. Ca- I mean, I was too young to appreciate it then. But when I saw it the other day, I just went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> she just <laughs> did she just do that. She to didn't me? break the fourth wall. She just winked she, at me. But, but she she got right up close to it. And there's a couple of times where she goes. It's almost like this whole movie is just being so ridiculous, and it's just snowballing and ridiculous. <laughs> it's snowballing. And at some point, she goes, "Really." And then the movie keeps going. Yeah, like and it she, didn't that, actually and happen. And she jumps in the snowball. Yeah. yeah. Like. But uh, and before we move on to Earth, because, you know, like usual, when Mr. Brown and I talk about no a way subject. No way, doing it this long already. All right. And we uh. go, well, usually I'm the one who goes, well, I don't know if we're going to be able to really, you know, talk about this for any real significant length of time. We end up going two and a half goddamn hours. Yeah. Three, di- three days <laughs> later. So, yeah. So today... Noah started to say to me about this subject, because I said, oh, I got to be home at a certain time, you know, got dinner plans and blah, blah, He goes, I, you know, 57 minutes. We are no more than 12 minutes into this fucking Yeah, we got to step this up a little bit. But thankfully- (laughs) 12 minutes, maybe. We get to Earth now. Spoiler. Before they get to Earth. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, And I was just going to say, this is where the movie gets extra shitty, is when they they arrive to Earth and- First of all, if you haven't seen this movie, none of this will make any sense before then. <laughs> we saw this movie, and none of anything that came up to now made before any sense. Before they, like, they jump in the portal, and like the thing that stood out to me the most, and I'm sure when I was a kid I thought it was really cool, but now I look in and go, be fucking serious? The cosmic key still like left in the throne room. They drop it or something. Yeah, yeah. And somebody they... who I'm assuming is only He-Man takes a fucking grappling hook, shoots it back Oh, it's through, a claw from a claw game. Which I'm assuming he... Yeah. Here's the thing. They... I'm assuming he shoots this fucking thing in mid-jump. Yes. Like, he's still antimatter, or he's somewhere he's in, the, in the ether. Space and time. He yeah. turns back to face the throne room. Blind shots this fucking claw into the throne room. It actually hits the cosmic key perfectly. In the and history of bullshit in. shots in a movie... Uh, of, of, of random coincidences. Are this you be, serious? We're not even asking, pointing out the fact that this is a guy in a loincloth, a bondage strap on his chest, and, a, <laughs> and a part of a cape. And part of a cape, yeah. That he's not had on his belt the entire movie. And so a man wearing no clothes pulls a fucking grappling hook out of nowhere, out of nowhere. and makes the shot of a lifetime. 
grabbing the cosmic key and pulling him into a planet behind him where our heroes, He-Man, Man-at-Arms, and Tila land, and they're like, where are we? And then the puppet little guy, little person, <laughs> squirts water out of his ears. Yeah. Gills. Uh, his his gills. gills. His gills. Comic clarity ensues. And then the big reveal, they're like, oh my God, there's a life form coming. We need to find the claw. We need to separate in the, the key. We need to separate in quadrants. What is this big thing coming? Guys, don't shoot. It could be intelligent life. And it's a fucking cow. Yep. Which I absolutely remembered from the Listen. original. And I wrote, I, so anyway, now I'm looking at my notes. Yeah. <clears throat> And I'm standing behind this shit. But, you know, disagree or agree, I don't care. Okay. Gwildor really wasn't nearly as annoying as I remember him being. Oh, no. He was actually probably I enjoyed mu- the most character. likable character in the entire like, movie. Like, he was just, he was like, I remember as a kid not liking the character at all. I don't know why I didn't, I just didn't. But. Snurf, snurf. Uh, That's what I think snarf, my brain Snurf, snurf. Snurf, snurf. Yeah. Lino. <clears throat> but. Watching it, rewatching the movie, yeah. I actually really appreciated Gwildor because he was levity, like oh in for sure, weird situations, and he was very fish out of water, like because he's the only non-humanoid, real truly non-humanoid character that you're really interacting with, or that the cast is interacting with. Yeah, that has any kind of bearing on the mm-hmm. film whatsoever. Uh, <clears throat> he's legitimately the funniest thing in the movie, and I, mm-hmm. they actually that's one of the few things that they they designed in a way and achieved in this film. Is that Gwildor is absolutely the funniest part of this entire movie. Uh, the only intentionally funny part of this movie has every time that it's it works, Gwildor's in the scene. Yeah. Just flat um, out. But yeah, so they split up, which I always found kind of <clears throat> suspect that they all split up separately. Gwildor's not a fighter, he's not a warrior, he's not like a guy who should be by himself. Evidenced by he found food and that they found him eating. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's four people that start this journey arriving on this unknown planet Earth. Uh-huh. All four of them go in their separate ways. In the very next scene, the three of them all ended up going <laughs> the same direction. Well, they're not very bright. Hey, what's There's you? a reason oh. why Skeletor won. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best they got. Mm-hmm. Toupee at arms, his fourth wall breaking daughter, and then <laughs> Toupe. I, the, I, I don't know who plays Gwildor, but. I'm pretty sure he was in Willow. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'll ask, God, I'll pretty sure he was. We should totally do Willow sometime. That movie. Oh, God, yes. I uh, was never a huge Willow fan. My, my sister was. Uh, I was not. My wife refuses to watch Willow. Apparently, she's absolutely terrified of that movie. What part of it? I don't know because she won't talk about it. It's, it's like that oh, bad. I, it's like oh, I can't talk. No, I just, I don't want. To, no, we're gonna move on. We're not watching it. Like, let's move I on. I don't even care if it's got Val Kilmer. In it. No, I'm done. And I'm like, oh, we're watching this. We should cover Legend. <sighs> Yes, we I should. That, we should. You know, we should do like a series for a little while of '80s fantasy movies. Do fan, do never-ending story. Listen, Le- I don't want to cry again. No, I haven't seen it <laughs> since the, the a long time, like this movie. Yeah, and uh, when we as and our generation puts that movie on a pedestal. Dark so, Crystal. Dark Crystal. We we'll do Dark Crystal. We we'll do Legend, Willow, and the Never-ending Story. Sometime you heard it here first, as if you'd hear it anywhere Where else. The fuck else would you hear it? <laughs> this is CNN breaking news. What the fuck? Yeah. So. Uh, we eventually meet, uh, our main, like, earthling protagonists. So, yes. So, they all decide to go in separate directions to look for the cosmic key. They all go in separate directions, but everyone but He-Man all ends up at the same fast food restaurant. Yeah. Robbie's Ribs and Chicken. Yes, Robbie's Ribs. Uh, and this is 
Um, a huge I, another uh, note. I gotta. I don't know if I want to read my thing verbatim because it's uh, even more profanity than it needs oh, to okay, be. Okay, good. But we're here at Robbie's ribs, and we'll talk about who we meet there in a second. But a reoccurring theme that happens like three or four times in this film. It's not really that that big of a theme. Is that the clearly one of our main characters works at Robbie's ribs and chicken? Yeah. And three of the central characters find Robbie's ribs and chicken. Yes. So you would understand that Robbie's ribs and chicken, the actual food, is all throughout this movie. Okay. All of it, except one piece of chicken, looks completely fucking inedible. I mean, at one point, Gwildor pulls a rib out of a bucket, which I never knew you could get a bucket of ribs. I've been missing I out on something I would really like to get life. a bucket of ribs myself. I would go there, and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> uh, are, th- are these Robbie's ribs? Like, literally, is he in the back? Are we? Because are, these are... They, they would be theoretically tasty. But Gwildor pulls up this thing that's, like, supposed to be this rib, and... I have seen dog rawhide bones that look more edible <laughs> than the fucking food he pulls out of this bucket. <laughs> the only piece of chicken or food that looks anywhere near edible that shows up out of these buckets of food this entire movie is the one that Toupee at Arms pulls out because they're all sitting around gnawing on these buckets. Nah, 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 yeah. nah. And he's eating a fried chicken drumstick. Yes, he is. And he is, and it's straight. It's the only one because there's other chicken drumsticks that will show up. I made notes in the movie. <laughs> this uh, is the real job. And here. all of them look gray and sweaty, like someone who didn't know how to cook just heated them up. Well, we but, never said Robbie's was going to be good. No, but but to pay it, he got the one piece of good chicken that that that's why Robbie's he was tearing ever it up. Did. He destroyed that chicken. Hey, he, <laughs> but that's that's a big problem I have is that uh, the, one of the central plot points is this food from this restaurant <laughs> that looks fucking awful. Because just a kind of sidebar, another sidebar here. I, I, I think I, like most humans in the world, fucking adore pizza. Of course. But I have recently tried to, you know, do a little self-discovery, a little self-learning time. Okay. And I think the reason why I always am in the mood for pizza, like I, literally every day in my life, I think goes back to the Ninja Turtles cartoons. Oh, that that goes without saying. Yes. And the big <laughs> stretchy cheese oh pizza. Yeah. All right. Like that's a popular franchise rendition of food that makes me want the food more. Yeah. Robbie's chicken and ribs <laughs> makes me never want to eat human food again. Ever again. I mean, you know what? I'll just chew on this fucking balsa wood. I don't know. <laughs> Looks more appetizing than that horseshit. But I digress. Doc. Yeah. Who works at this Robbie's chicken and ribs? Uh, uh, Julie. Julie. Uh, well, Julie, who uh, we meet as the, like I said, central, one of the key central human or earthling protagonists. Yes. We find out it's her last day at Robbie's chicken and ribs, or ribs and chicken, depending on what part of the Mississippi you live on. Uh, and... We find out that her parents had died in a tragic plane accident. We got to make the characters relatable okay. to little kids, of course. Okay, so you're, you're yes, yes, yes. His, her parents died yeah. in a tragic accident. Very tragic. Very recently into this movie. But considering that she just lost both of her parents to a tragic accident. Tragic. Uh, super tragic. Mm. Uh, that uh, she's doing well enough to be at work. Uh, yeah, there's a, yeah. So, so this is... The entire rest of the exposition of the movie happens in this next two scenes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll step you through it here, and you and correct me if I'm off the thing. Please. Julie, Courtney Cox, by the way, a very young Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm. Pre, uh, By the way, every time I see that actress, I just go... Hold on. I guess how could you not? Jesus. There it is. Works at this fast food restaurant. She's about to graduate high school. She is deciding to move from... This right now, I did a little 
deductive reasoning myself. She says she's going to move 3,000 miles away from anything that reminds her of this town, her parents, and her boyfriend. Yeah. Kevin, right? Kevin, yeah. Kevin. Uh, moves, uh, move away from her boyfriend. Wait, wait, is Kevin like the like the most like prototypical like boyfriend 80s name? I think everybody, not just every woman, but every person in the world has dated someone named Kevin. <laughs> okay. And I don't even think we realize he's going to start unpacking. Oh my God, I did date Kevin for like seven months. Oh my God. <laughs> well, there was that Kevin Smith. Oh my God, no way. No shit. Okay. okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, She's so we we meet. She's on her last shift at Robbie's Ribs and Chicken, the worst <laughs> restaurant in human history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's leaving. She's gonna travel three thousand miles away from all this, which means that uh, and to New Jersey. Yeah, which means if she's going to New Jersey, then she can. She's only on the West Coast, right? Right, three thousand miles away. So she. This is nondescript town in the West Coast. Yeah, this somewhere. is like one hundred percent California. I say Northern I, I, California. I, I, yeah. saw, I saw palm trees. I mean, oh, literally, it's very evident that they shot most of the sequences that take place. In the alleyways in this thing in Los Angeles, and like, and I and I don't know much about California. I've only been there once, but and spend that much time there. But, but I'm assuming that there's an area in California called Catalina. Yes, that's so, where her parents an, died. Going to Catalina, it's an island off the coast of Los Angeles. And, so yeah, yeah, that's where. Yeah. Okay. Catalina so, Island, Catalina wine mixer. Yeah. So she's leaving. You know, she needs to get away from everything. She's gonna miss graduation. I feel like this is oh, poor Oh, she's planning. leaving before she's just bailing on yeah, her life. This seems like a really poor planned situation. She not, needs like an not, adult. Not to get, yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. And she's, for someone who has recently lost their parents in, in a plane crash, a lot of affairs are really strangely in order. So yeah. not to get too far ahead, which That's I think- That's a really I, good point. I, I think, I think uh, we, we could probably time-wise use for jumping far ahead. But uh, we see her house later in the movie uh, when they go looking for her and the house has a sold sign. So she, this, she young, her shit. this orphan that lost her parents, has found a way to graduate high school, manage a move across country, and has sold, closed on selling her parents' house. Yes. Uh, so Courtney Cox would appear to have her shit together, but the rest of the events of this movie would tell you that perhaps that's <laughs> otherwise. That's otherwise. But so we get all the, the rest. So we meet. Kevin. This is the entirety of the rest of the exposition. Yeah. She leaves there. She's like, "Bye, I'll never she see meets you again." Kevin, uh, in his van. <laughs> he's, a, it's a guy with a van. Yeah. So yeah, and he's like obviously busted up that she's leaving. He's trying to convince her. Oh, you gotta stay. You know, she goes, "No, book your Kevin, flight. You're Change an asshole. It. I'm leaving." And uh, we agree not to do this. We're not going to do this. Yeah, but she, like, she, like, honestly, listen, I don't know what it's like to be in Kevin's position, but it's got to be awful. And can I also mention that Kevin, in the, at least in that first, like, three minutes of him meeting him, is doing his best John Kroninsky, like, impersonation I've ever fucking seen mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Oh. 100%. But long. anyhow. No, uh, just to kind of add in Was here, it Krasinski? Krasinski. Whatever. The guy from The Office. Yeah. Who's really, in my opinion, we'll talk about this again, he's the villain of The Office, by the way. Oh, he's he's an instigator. Oh yeah, he's 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 full on the real villain of the office. But we'll we'll backpedal for a second. Kevin, Kevin, her boyfriend. Let me just explain the blueprint of this situation. So in the very previous scene, uh, Courtney Cox explains that she's abandoning her life here. Yeah, going to move across the country to New Jersey of all places. Yeah, uh, start her life over, break up with her boyfriend. Is now selling her parents' house, and she's leaving tonight. And she gets in her boyfriend's van. A sweet van, sure, but a van. And he's, she's like, uh, he's like, what time is your bus to go to the airport? She says eight thirty. And he's like, you can't make a push your plane ride back. He's like, come on, stay, baby. 
And he, she's like, no, I'm, we talked about this. I'm not doing this. And then he says, one of the most ridiculous things in his time, he's like, but you're still going to come to my band sound check, right? <laughs> and she's like, sure. She's like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Of course. Oh I'll come God, to that. How could I miss that? And now knowing what we know, I'm just going to probably blow past part of that scene when it comes up. The band sound check is those two alone in a gymnasium while he plays a synthesizer. He 100% line. wanted to get laid. He's, he's like, oh, yeah, come to my. He, he wanted to and, get his penis touched before he left. Before, before she, she left forever. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, but it did not happen. Before so they, they do dr- that, they go to the they go to the uh, the the graveyard. I, I was getting there. And he's like, "Will you come to my band sound check?" And she's like, "Of course I will." And then they start driving. Away. She's like, "I want to go to my parents' grave one more time. One more time. If I want to say goodbye to my parents." This movie is away, dude. <laughs> like so. so- like so they're at the fucking they're like they're having this moment she's busted up i'm actually slowly becoming convinced no more we talk about that she murdered her parents yeah she's like i shouldn't cut their break i mean they shouldn't have flown the plane so wait so here's the best part i'm like watching this right and i don't know if you caught what i caught but they're talking and she's all you know going like you know it it wasn't just you know that we wanted we're supposed to spend the day at the beach but then i told him i had to study because i want to spend time with you you know, this is all my fault. But what she's really saying is, Kevin, this is your fucking fault. Yeah, she's like, so, <laughs> remember that day that you're like, let's have sex? Yeah. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm going to the beach with my parents. And you're like, seriously, tell them you're starting. I'm like, fine. Yeah. That day that you took my innocence, <laughs> it killed my innocence, Kevin. <laughs> it's all his fault. And he's all like. And he's just standing like. And, and he's like, hands in his pockets. He's like, this whole thing sucks. And they're like. What's that over there? They went from pure like sadness and mourning to delight. The very last in drop of exposition, seconds. they turn around and they're in a and they're and you know what? Here's the thing: the rest of the movie, they describe the circumstances in which they find the cosmic key. Spoiler: they find the cosmic key like suspiciously near her parents' grave. Yeah, but so they they several times do they describe how they found the cosmic key unnecessarily in the movie? Oh, we found it in this big crater. It was just lying in this giant crater. Oh, it was this giant crater, and I just found it. They say it three times in the movie. <laughs> but really, it's like this fucking thing in a hole that's maybe a foot wider than the actual device. Yeah. Sitting in the dirt. You never see a giant crater. No. I feel like, so, they're like, come on up to the actor to play Kevin. So, you're going to do your scene here today. Yeah. So, we're just, we're feeling kind of insecure about the size of the hole. <laughs> That we put the prop in earlier in the film. Remember that park scene? Yeah. So could you just do me a favor? Could you call it a giant crater every time you ever mention it? <laughs> every time. It, it, but it wasn't. I know, though. Yeah. So so Mattel's, like, really convinced that this needs to be a giant crater. So if you could just say that every time you mention it, that'd be great. Okay. And then they go on. But it's, I just, I was like, it's like they, they refer to giant crater in the film. And there is no giant crater no. at all in this film. I, uh, so uh, all right now before we keep going, uh, I looking yeah. at the time we are we are going way long on this episode. Yeah, I'm feeling. Uh, How it, the fuck is it taking it this long to talk about this goddamn movie? Listen, I this is why I wanted. I to don't do even this like this movie. Well, now you're gonna like it even less because <laughs> we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> we're gonna stop now, and I think maybe next week we'll pick up and and finish because at this stage, like it's getting late. As this movie will happen. Somebody's got to finish. Skeletor wants to finish. Oh, he really wants to finish. Prince Adam needs to finish. Well, I don't think I know if he's ever finished at this point. Isn't I don't think the, he ever the, does. That virgin Hugh about him. I don't think he ever does. 
but so we're we're gonna we're gonna put a pin. Yeah, in yeah. It. We're gonna stop here, and we're and gonna go next week. You know how funny is it that we keep having these subjects that we keep saying to ourselves it can't possibly go very long, and then we keep having to split them up into two parters because goddamn, because we talk too much. We talk too much. We do, but you know what? This is the perfect format. God, if uh, could you imagine how shitty we'd be if we were painters that talk too much? <laughs> Anything, any other yeah. occupation, but two guys with a microphone talking about a movie from 1987. We make it work. This works. Yeah, and I honestly, I knew we would talk a lot about this movie. You were the one who, were like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's I'm a, like, nah. There's a, a lot. There's a lot of. A lot of meat on this bone. Yeah, no, completely unlike Robbie's shitty chicken and ribs. But up, bones. But yeah, uh, so uh, we'll 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 pick back up next yeah. episode, and hopefully, you guys will be along with us on this ride with Masters of the Universe. Yeah, I guess. In a sentence, I never thought I'd say. Join us next week for Masters of the Universe Part Two. Part Two. Oh, All God. right, folks, take it easy. Be safe out there. I got. <laughs>